My name is Shad Schoenfeldt with Schoenfeldt Livestock in Fort Stockton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we spent the end of last week in New Orleans at the Commodity Classic, where we ran into several Texas farmers. We'll bring you an update from the Commodity Classic coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A lot of Texas High Plains corn farmers have been making a big switch in recent years. But what's different about growing corn for silage rather than for grain? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The Northeast Texas winter drought and its impact on spring pastures in the region. I'm Tom Nicoletti with those details and the question for producers to fertilize or not to fertilize. All that on Texas Ag Today. Farmers in the coastal band have put a pause on cotton planting. Meanwhile, the Houston Livestock Show continues at full speed ahead. This is Harvey Buring, and I'll have more from both locations in this week's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farmers from all over the country were in New Orleans last week for the Commodity Classic. It's a joint meeting of the American Soybean Association, the National Corn Growers Association, the National Association of Wheat Growers, and National Sorghum Producers. I ran into several Texas farmers at the Commodity Classic, like Russell Williams of Dalhart. He says it's great to have an in-person convention again after taking last year off because of COVID. The last two years have been hard on everybody, and I think this year has been a fantastic um, reminder about like working together in cooperation between farmers and, and uh, our industry partners, getting together, uh, sharing ideas, um, talking about each other's farms, what we do that works, what we do that doesn't work. You know, Sometimes licking each other's wounds, depending on the year, uh, sometimes patting each other on the back, but it's just a great all-around around chance to to educate yourself and to uh and to meet really good people williams was at the meeting representing the texas corn growers association he says the corn industry has a lot of things to discuss right now there's been a lot of focus on um the the next generation renewable fuels act that's been a big uh, policy uh issue for national corn growers association um ensuring that ethanol remains a viable part of you know any new 
fuel or, you know, as, as we think about electronic vehicles, as we, as we think about, you know, what's happening in Ukraine, you know, energy independence and en energy security, it really comes home that farmers can really help um, make our country more secure in terms of energy. I heard a stat this morning that if we just went from E10 to E15, we could replace all of the, the oil that we import from Russia, which is a huge deal uh, when, when you start thinking about it. Another Texas farmer I ran into was Freddie Stride of Vernon. He serves on the board of directors for Texas wheat producers. He says the upcoming farm bill debate is a big priority for wheat growers. Every farm bill in the past that I've ever worked on, we've had to go into that, into these negotiations with, well, what are we going to have to give up this time? This time we don't want to do that. We don't want to ask for everything under the moon and hope we get part of it. We don't want to give up crop insurance. We don't want to give up anything. The administration pumped a bunch of more money into the farm bill, $250 million, but they put it all on food stamps and left production agriculture totally out. Strike says with a big jump in inflation and a sharp rise in input costs, it's time to strengthen the farm safety net to reflect the increased cost of producing a crop. A lot of Texas High Plains corn farmers have been making the switch from grain to silage in recent years. James Hunt tells us there are some differences between growing corn for silage versus grain. For many corn farmers in the Texas High Plains, the growth in our region's dairy industry has provided a new opportunity in recent years, growing corn for silage rather than grain. We've seen a lot of acre switching in that respect, but if you're a corn farmer contemplating jumping to silage, what do you need to look for in terms of what to plant? Here's the answer I got from Bill Mahana, Global Nutritional Sciences Leader for Pioneer Seeds. What we're looking for in silage that differs from a row crop grain farmer is we want all that starch that we would get from a, a grain hybrid, but we want the biomass, so we want the stover, the green stuff. Uh, so we really want to look for tall grain hybrids. And we don't need to worry quite as much about lodging or having that fall over because we're going to harvest it way before we would normally combine it. So we don't need to look at standability quite as much. And so I think, you know, the real traits that we want for silage going into a dairy or even a feed yard is we want to look for agronomics. So no different than we would for green corn. All the same traits, maturity, stress emergence, drought tolerance, all those things are the same for grain or silage. And then we want to look at this tonnage, which is really influenced by two things, both the height of the plant at the ear, so again, the taller plants, and then how much grain is in it. That's going to contribute a lot to tonnage. And for a dairy guy, he wants a lot of that grain because that's where the real energy is in corn silage. I talked with Bill Mahana of Pioneer Seeds at the recent High Plains Dairy Conference in Amarillo. We'll hear more from him tomorrow, including more on what dairies are looking for when they buy corn silage. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The ongoing drought is worsening across the state and extending into East Texas. Tom Nicoletti checks in with an East Texas forage specialist about the effects of drought on pastures there. My guest today is Dr. Vanessa Olson, a forage specialist with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in Overton. And uh, Vanessa, looking at the most recent Texas drought monitor for Northeast Texas, a variety of drought categories here from uh, severe drought to extreme drought. And uh, at this point in late winter with spring uh, 
just uh, several days away. Uh, what do the pastures look like for uh, ranchers and their livestock right now? Unfortunately, we're really having a tough time with our forage production, given the drought conditions in northeast Texas. Given that we've have been fairly dry this winter, that's had a huge impact on any winter forage production, such as ryegrass or legumes. And many of our producers have had to feed a lot this winter with lower winter forage production. And this is not a great way to start our spring and our, our warm season forage production. What do hay supplies look like at this point? I think a lot of producers have had adequate hay. Some producers have had some extra hay from previous seasons, and they're anticipating the need to hold on to a lot of that hay. Yes, uh, the extremely high input costs are affecting everybody's um, management techniques. Yes. Yes, a lot of, I've heard a lot of producers talking about not fertilizing at all because of the cost, and, and that will have a great impact on our pasture production and persistence as well as the amount of hay we're able to produce and the quality of hay we're going to be able to produce. So many challenges as we get into the summer. That is Dr. Vanessa Olson with uh, Texas A&M AgriLife in Overton. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers in the coastal bend have hit pause on cotton planting, and the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo is now underway. Harvey Buring has an update. Well, planting activities have uh, slowed down a bit here in the Coastal Bend area. Of course, corn planting completed about a week ago, and grain sorghum has been going full speed ahead throughout the week. It's estimated that about 90% of that crop is in the ground, but the cold snap has cotton farmers pausing planting after about 20% of the cotton acreage was planted. They're all hoping that uh, the conditions will improve, hope to get some more moisture, and certainly hope that soil temperatures will increase uh, after this cold snap to allow for some good stand establishment. Meanwhile, up at Houston, two weeks of the big show have been completed and open breeding cattle along with uh, breeding swine and sheep and goats have been completed, and the Lamb shows, goat shows, and poultry shows, and rabbit shows for the youth completed this past week. And uh, the final week of the show underway, we'll have our steers and barrows competing, as well as the ag mechanics show here in Houston. And it'll conclude uh, over the weekend with the dairy show. The Houston Livestock Show has its live stream webcast available daily free of charge. So if you want to keep up with how the young people in your part of the state are doing, just tune in. It's all free of charge. Reporting from the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, this has been Harvey Buring. The organization that offers Texas teens an opportunity to learn more about wildlife, natural resources, and leadership is celebrating a milestone this year. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Act today. You would expect all horses to be anatomically the same, but that may not be the case. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agra Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. Call the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. Once again, 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. You would expect all horses to be anatomically the same, but Dr. Bob Judd says that may not be the case. It was recently reported in the horse publication that not all equine backbones are the same. Individual horses can have very different vertebral columns, including having a different number of vertebrae. Although this is unlikely to affect basic health, it could have an impact on performance horses, as certain movements could be compromised. It is known that all thoroughbreds do not have the same backbone makeup in the lower back, and this could certainly affect racing or dressage. The group in the Netherlands ran CT scans on 77 horses that died from causes unrelated to the spine, representing mostly warm bloods, Shetland ponies, and conic semiferal horses. Only 50% of the horses had the normal number of 29 back vertebrae. Most of the conic semiferal horses had the correct number of vertebrae, while only 53% of warm bloods and 38% of Shetlands had the correct number. Some had one less vertebrae than normal, some had more ribbed vertebrae, and some had fewer ribs on one side. Shetlands and warm bloods also had some difference in the anatomy of the vertebrae in the neck. Ponies had the greatest variation in the number of vertebrae, as some had more or less than normal. The authors believe this could be due to unintended consequences of selective breeding for certain traits. Some breeds are selective for speed, some for jumping, and some for their outward appearance. And this selection could affect the vertebral anatomy. When horse breeders select for certain traits, it can also unknowingly affect other areas of the horse. The same phenomenon occurs in dogs, and more studies are needed to determine the effect it has on the lives of these animals. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas Brigades is celebrating a milestone this year. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Time is running out quickly for Texas teens who are interested in attending one of the engaging outdoor wildlife and conservation camps called Texas Brigades. As we told you on our last show, teens have nine options for brigades in both June and July. Today, we're again joined by Texas Brigades Executive Director Natalie Wolf, who says the program is celebrating a milestone this year, 30 years. 
Texas Brigades is a nonprofit organization that started as a single brigade camp. This is our 30th year of summer camps growing from the initial Bob White Brigade. Wolf says celebrating 30 years of helping Texas teens explore the outdoors, natural resources, and wildlife feels great. There have been many challenges, but as our leaders and visionaries within the organization, that some have been a part of the organization since the beginning. And they always say with great challenges come success. We're really excited about that milestone and looking back at those achievements, but also looking forward to the next 30 years. As Wolf mentioned, Texas Brigades started out with the Bob White Brigade. Now there are two Bob White Brigades, two Buckskin Brigades, two Ranch Brigades, a Bass Brigade, Waterfowl Brigade, and Coastal Brigade. Teens ages 13 through 17 can apply for one of the wildlife and natural resource-focused leadership camps. There's one application for all of the camps. Apply by March 15th on texasbrigades.org. That is texasbrigades.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a strong day to start the week on Monday in the Livestock Complex. We finished strongly higher in both live and feeder cattle, but that was mainly due to a tumble in the corn market. We'll be back to check all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Talk of a possible ceasefire between Russia and the Ukraine pushed the cotton and corn markets lower on Monday. And that drop in corn prices helped to boost cattle prices higher to start the week. We finished with strong gains at both live and feeder cattle on Monday. April live cattle up 302 at 140.32. The June up 275, 135.70. While August live cattle were up $1.60 at 136.67. March feeder cattle up 267, 155.95. The April up 442 at 162.40. May feeder cattle up 372 at 167.45. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on a Monday. No sales to report. Show lists appear to be mixed this week. Somewhat higher in Kansas and here in Texas, while lower in Nebraska and Colorado. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice up 33 cents at 255.04. 
Select down four two forty nine oh seven. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's go to San Angelo, talk to Jody Fry about the Thursday sale. Jody, how did it go? Went pretty good. Had about 950 head, uh, some less numbers uh, than the week before, but still pretty good numbers, everything considered. Uh, compared with last week's sale, calling these kids and yearlings, kind of 2 to $4 lower. Uh, most of that decline would be on the heavyweight feeder-type cattle. Slaughter cows and bulls sold about steady. Still continued very strong demand for those heavyweight and high-yielding slaughter cows and bulls. Today, we had a limited supply of bred cows and a handful of cow-kiff pairs that sold near steady. Better steers, better quality steers weighing four to 600 pounds from 140 up to a high of 210, mostly 150 to 170. Better quality steers weighing six to 800 pounds from 120 all the way up to a high of 165, mostly 135 to 155. Heifer calves, better quality heifer calves, four to 600 pounds, 125 to 165, mostly 135 to 155. Slaughter cows average to high yielding, 62 to 78. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 80 to 88. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, some of those today from 30 to 55. Slaughter bulls averaged to high yielding from 80 to 96. Had several of the very highest yielding slaughter bulls from a dollar all the way up to a high of 114. Bred cows and two-year-olds averaged to better quality. A few of those young heavy breads anywhere from 800 to a high of 1225 per head. What do you anticipate for next week? Well, see how this weather plays out over the weekend. Uh, you know, this, this sheep and goat number has been stuck on just one side or another of 5,500 head, I think, for three weeks in a row. So uh, I'd say at least 4,500 to 5,000 weather permitting. We've got the cow sale next week in conjunction with the regular Thursday sale. We know if several bred cows can sign, there will be some breeding bulls uh, next Thursday's cattle sale. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. You bet. Any of us there at the office at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed on Monday. The nearby April down 52 cents at 102.20, while May hogs were up 15, 110.30. Class 3 milk was higher. March milk up a penny, 22.36 a hundredweight. April milk up 17 at 23.99 a hundred. The cotton market dropping lower in response to those possible Russia-Ukraine ceasefire talks. May cotton dropping 226 points at 118.77. The October down 188, closing at 106.31, while December cotton dropped 202 to close at 102.22. The corn market also feeling the pressure from the possible ceasefire talks, especially on the old crop contracts. The nearby March dropped 36 and a quarter, closing at 728 and a quarter. While new crop September corn was down six and a quarter at six seventy and three quarters. The wheat markets had a mixed reaction, hard wheat finishing slightly higher, while soft wheat closed lower. July Kansas City wheat up four and a half at ten eighty five and a half. July Chicago wheat down seven and a quarter, ten seventy a bushel. In the energy markets, April natural gas down seven cents at four sixty five. April crude oil down 778 at 101.55 a barrel. The financial markets were narrowly mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow was up 48 points at 32,992. The Nasdaq down 227 at 12,618, while the S&P was down 27 points, 4,179. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. 
I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.